Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February of 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, except right now I'm in New London, Connecticut. Yay! <laughs> sitting right across from Carl in his uh, audio isolation booth. Yep. So I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost uh, just shy of 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. That's affirmatory. Yes. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not a favorable technical detail, are we, Carl? No effing way, man. We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We sure are. We love to cook mm -hmm. and we love to eat. And mm -hmm. every show, we each <laughs> share a recipe, a keto recipe, that cannot be ignored. Ignored, I dare you. Ignore it not. <laughs> All right, so let's start podcast number 88. Can you believe it? Wow. Scary Heart Stories. Ooh. Halloween special. We're justified and we don't ignore So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show with Preta Bruckner? No, I think that was a very interesting interview with him about yeah. the Sugar by Half campaign yeah. and the work that he's doing in Australia. And I don't think we have any apologies or corrections, but if anybody has any uh, queries at all, uh, you know how to get hold of us. Yeah. yeah. So how was your week? You spent it with me. Yeah, it was actually good. We've uh, got a lot of work done. We've yep. uh, we've uh, published the new subscription for the Obesity uh, Code podcast. That's and we've right. published the second episode of that. We both worked on that together. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're working very hard to get our other new podcast out as well, um, which is all very exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just uh, we just head down, bum up, <laughs> and uh, right. working flat out. <laughs> we're going to go hang out with Jason and Megan next week uh, yeah. for at least a day, and That's then down to awesome. New York to talk to Asim Malotra. And yeah. We talked to Tim Noakes as Tim well. Tim Noakes, yeah. Yeah. We've got a full schedule. We have. So my week has been awesome. Uh, how was yours? Since you've got this weird house guest from Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a lot of fun. Of course, it's been great cooking with you, too. That's been fun. And today, just this morning, we got up early and we went to a local radio station. That's right. And we were on the radio, which was broadcast all over the internet, of course. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of my friends, you know, texted me and said, hey, were you on the radio? I just heard you. Wow. And yeah, we, we talked about the ketogenic diet. We and did. uh the host is a friend of mine and also happens to be a, a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that matters to anybody, but he's a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and telling him, you know, he was asking me what I did and I gave him the 20-minute spiel. Mm. And in that, he just took that 20 minutes and ran with it, you know, and I did a Ted name and I simplified it. Just eat bacon and eggs for a couple of weeks, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And he did and he lost 25 pounds and- yeah, it was just a great. So it was great. And of course, you guys know what it's like. We, yeah. 
we open people's eyes and they, you know, once they begin to get it and begin to feel better, it's it's just a revelation. He passed it on to his wife and she was also uh, co-hosting the radio show and she had a different experience to him because uh, yeah. he lost a lot of weight very quickly. Right. And while she lost size... She's been, they've been doing it for five weeks. She didn't lose a lot of weight and she was a bit concerned about that. And, and that's the same old story we hear from women, right? Yeah, and we do. It happens mostly with women. Some women just lose weight very quickly from day one. Right. Uh, but a lot don't. And it has to do with, with their hormone regulation. With yeah. a man, when you change their hormones and you set them in a path, they will often stay in that path. Whereas yeah. a, a woman's hormones are cycling every month. Mm. And so you set her into a path and then a couple of days later, her hormonal regulation changes. and There's a lot more tug of war going on with right. hormones with women. But it does happen. I mean, we have friends who've, uh, who were ketogenic for s- six weeks, and we, we know one who gained weight for right. six weeks yeah. of a ketogenic diet and couldn't understand why. But she felt better, and she lost she inches. And she got that. work done. She yeah. got, wrote books. And, yeah. and then uh, her husband said that uh, – when they started to increase the fat content, that's when she started to lose weight. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that would have affected her appetite. It would have affected her ability to, to mm. utilize her energy that's stored. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's, it is different for women. And yep. that, that's why we have a Keto Woman podcast. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's coming up here. Mm-hmm. Maybe this week, maybe next week. We'll see. But yeah. keep your ears peeled. Yeah, we're getting very close. All right. And that brings us to a very special segment that we call... Ah, <laughs> uh, we walkie it again. <laughs> so what have you got, Carl? Oh, well, I found this great post on the ketogenic forums, um, which is just a great resource. If you haven't checked it out, it's forum.2keto.com. It's free. Mm-hmm. We started it um, as a reaction to our disgust of Facebook <laughs> yeah, Facebook just doesn't work very well for no. for large group conversations. It's 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 ephemeral, and you know you've you, heard us talk about it a million times yeah, how we hate Facebook, yeah, right? But we we anyway we moved we jumped ship to this forum. You can search everything. There's about ten thousand people there, and uh, lots of great posts. And I just found that I happened to find this. I didn't see it when it was posted. You know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But one power trick sixteen D says hi all. Just wanted to share something for the people that think it's too late to change their lives. This is about a Hispanic woman I found on YouTube. I found this Hispanic 77-year-old woman who is 22 years as a type 2 diabetic that changed to keto. And here's a link. It's in Spanish, and she's translated roughly what she said below. Right. And here's the translation. Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Susie Cooper, and I began this diet in June 2015. I want to tell you guys about my results after eight months. In May 2015, I had my 77th birthday, and truly, I was feeling really bad. I've been type 2 diabetic for more than 22 years, Ouch. had high blood pressure, asthma, bursitis of the hips and shoulder, chronic back pain to where I could barely walk. If I was standing for two to three minutes, I would have to sit down due to the pain. Before I started the diet, my weight was 178 to 182, mm-hmm. although at one time in my youth, 59 years ago, I weighed 252. From there, I dropped to 221, then to 192. In the year 2007, I became really sick, and after that, I maintained around 182 and hovered around there. I'm a person that has a huge belly, typical of a type 2 diabetic woman. Yeah, that apple shape that we all have. Yeah. Now, in 2015, I had my 
type 2 diabetes barely controlled and had to increase my insulin from 45 to 52 units. Plus, I had to take a pill of 10 milligrams of extended-release glipizide. What's that? It's a oral sulfonuria, which is a insulin secretagogue. It causes you to make more insulin. Okay. I was also taking two medications for the high blood pressure, medicine for the asthma and medicine for the pain. Mm -hmm. The pain in my lower back was constant, not when I was sitting, but when I was standing or walking. I did various treatments, including a blocking of the spine, but nothing helped. Well, at this time, I became very worried because we don't know how long we'll live or when we'll go to the other side, but sure, I began to think, if by chance I live to 90 or 94, what will happen to me? Yeah. If I make it there, I'm going to be in much worse condition than I am now. So I decided to find a diet to help me with the type 2 diabetes and would help me manage my weight and try to burn some belly fat. I found a diet in a book, something called Zero Abdominal Fat Diet. I bought the book and tried it. Truly, I didn't feel bad, but I noticed my blood sugar was rising and stopped Mm. it. Then I tried searching again. And because I believe that things happen for a purpose, I found a YouTube video of a doctor that talked about this. Look, I'm a nurse, graduated with a bachelor's from the University of Miami with about 35 plus or minus years of experience. And truly what I saw and heard in that video made my mind spin in reverse. Wow, that's a lot of momentum to turn around. Yeah. 35 years of nursing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She goes on, it took me totally by surprise. What I knew about type 2 diabetes is that it's a chronic and progressive disease Mm -hmm. and that as time passes, you'll need more and more medication. Yep. For instance, first it's diet and exercise, then it's oral drugs, then it's insulin and more Mm -hmm. insulin and then more insulin. In this video, I found that the doctor was describing that type 2 diabetes was completely reversible with diet. Right. I heard this and it interested me very much, but I had a hard time believing it. Because I've always been one to find out the truth, I began to research and study. I found many, many pieces of evidence that, yes, in the last 10 years, a diet was discovered that could cure type 2 diabetes. What I'm telling you here is from videos and research that I did on the internet from accredited doctors, not someone trying to con you or sell you something. These were publicized studies about the ketogenic diet. What I'm about to tell you is not medical advice, only my personal story. If you're taking insulin, you must talk to your doctor before anything because your blood sugar will drop quickly. Your doc will tell you how to manage your insulin. That's almost verbatim what we tell people. Preach, sister, preach. Absolutely. She goes on, so I knew when I talked to my doctor what I could do if I began that diet. He told me in my case, I had to reduce my insulin by half and continue the oral drugs. And that's what I did. I began the diet and reduced my insulin in half. What I've experimented with in these last eight months, now we're in February 2016, has been for me a miracle. I've decided to pass this information on because I think it's worth it. In eight months, I no longer inject insulin, and I'm only taking five milligrams of glipizide. Wow. Yeah. That's it. 77 years old. Yeah. 22 years of diabetes. On Monday, today is Friday, I'm going to ask the doctor to drop the dose to 2.5 grams instead of five because my sugar is dropping too low. Mm. I've dropped 30 pounds. I now weigh approximately 153, which has been my lowest weight in 40 years. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I've lost about eight inches from the waist and stomach. My high blood pressure has been regulated, and now I'm 120 to 125 over 65 to 72. Great. Of the two pills I was taking for it, one of them is completely gone. And the second one, lisinopril, Mm -hmm. 40 milligrams, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, 
is now down to five milligrams. The bursitis of the hips and shoulders is now under control. Yeah. I have not had to inject cortisol in all these months, nor have had any pain. My lower back pain is completely gone. Wow. It's the fountain of youth. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's amazing. 77 years old, 22 years of diabetes. I know, right? All right. So I got to read the rest of this because mm. just to honor her. Mm. Um, and this is a miracle for me because I'm once again walking again. I still use the electric scooter when I go to Walmart or Publix because it's pretty big. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, but I think I can do it. I just take the scooter out of habit. When the scooter isn't there, I've walked it just fine. Hence, this is what I have accomplished in eight months. I want to remind you guys that you can't compare a person that has just been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes to a person that's been one for 22 years. Sure. From what I've read, new diabetics control their blood sugar in six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. For people like myself that have more than 20 years, it takes a bit longer, approximately a year. I'm three quarters of the way there and it works. Believe me, it works. If you're diabetic, talk to your doctor to see if you should and can do the diet. Honestly, from my point of view, this has changed my life around 100% because being diabetic is nothing to be proud about. She then goes on about liking and making more videos. Well done, Susan. You may never hear this because you may not be a listener, uh, but hopefully somebody passes it on to you. Uh, not only for finding your own cure, which we've all managed to do, but also taking it personally and then making an effort to educate other people about it. Agreed. I think that is well worth rewarding and recognizing. Yes. Well done, Susie. And uh, congratulations. Wow. Mm. It just chokes me up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's why we do what we do is because uh, we thought we had a progressive disease yeah. and we thought that we didn't have an option. We found the answer. Yeah, It may not be the only answer, but it certainly worked for us and we're more than happy to share what worked for us. And if that works for you uh, and your loved ones and your friends, and yeah. that's wonderful. And your family, that stubborn uncle who thinks, nah, what have I got to live for? Life sucks. Yeah. yeah. Hey, bacon. <laughs> bacon and eggs. Bacon doesn't suck. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. So I've got one from Ellie79, and Ellie posted on our forum, uh, depression is a bitch. Mm. And uh, Ellie says, I've suffered from depression for pretty much all my life. It comes and it goes, but because I'm a stubborn blank, uh, I always try to ignore the fact I'm going back down the rabbit hole as long as I can. Huh. Uh, I've been getting worse recently, and although it's not really changed how I've been eating, although I did have a bread bun with my beef stew last week, yeah. as usual, I've started drinking more. Huh. Thanks, Dad, for that wonderful coping strategy. Yeah. And as always, uh, when down, it's lager, so I'm mm. no longer in ketosis. Uh, we actually did find a lager that has zero carbohydrates. Yeah, so but you got to be in Australia. You got to be Australian. <laughs> there, um, you can find crappy beers out there that are two point five, two point six yeah. grams of carbs a bottle. But yeah, but self medication is uh, not, is not the answer. Not the answer. No. Uh, so finally, I've gone back to my therapist, and I realised that it's just a less obvious way of self harming. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll be booking a week's holiday from work, doing my best to cut back on the booze again. Uh, getting back to keto proper. Even though I've not been in ketosis, it's not seemed to affect my hunger. Mm. Uh, still been IFing, et cetera, so hoping it won't be too bad. Yeah. Uh, keep calm, effing. 
Peter Watt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I want to uh, say, yeah, depression really can be a bitch, and uh, there are some theories that uh, ketosis does help with depression. Yeah. There was a great article in Psychology Today by Dr. Georgia Ede, who's actually at KetoFest, right. and she summarized all of the papers that have came out in 2017 on the subject of ketogenic diets and mental health. Mm. And she she actually found two studies relating specifically to ketogenic diets and depression. Both of them were, were murine studies, as in one was a rat study and the other was a mouse study. Oh. doesn't really help a lot because they're not humans. And you but can't it means really... it's worth studying further. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's hy- certainly hypothesis generating. Uh, the rat study found that a ketogenic diet reduced depressive behaviors in rats, and the mouse study found that feeding pregnant animals a ketogenic diet reduced offspring susceptibility to depressed and anxious behaviors. Yeah. So, I mean, it... it, it yeah, that that's not really particularly helpful. But, but you and I know plenty of anecdotal evidence from absolutely. people that we know yes. who have, you know, relieved their depression yeah. after a ketogenic diet. Absolutely. And uh Brenda <clears throat> Zorn, who's one of our guests today, is very public about it on Facebook yeah. that it that it uh it relieved her depressive um cycles and right. Uh, she doesn't doesn't feel them anymore. So yeah. you know that's uh, uh, we'll, we'll put some links in the show notes uh, on some of the the studies uh, that were cited by Georgia Ede. Mm. And yeah, I've got to say that a, a that a ketogenic diet certainly gives you mental clarity. Uh, it gives you a little bit of structure, and it's certainly something that you can do safely for a long time. And if it does help with your depression, then that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there is some evidence to show that for some people it, it has helped. And we're gonna probably explore this uh, topic in more detail on the show in Absolutely. further episodes. Yeah. yeah. So that's my mail, um, which brings us to our mug winner. That's right. Every show about this time or sometime around here, we mm-hmm. give away a piece of swag to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. We do. We're giving away mugs that say keep calm and keto on right now. Mm-hmm. And today's winner is none other than, wait for it, mm-hmm. Christina Wallman. Well done, Christina. Congratulations. <laughs> Just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. What's that? Well, yeah. if you go to fanclub.twoketo.com and answer a very few questions, you basically put your email address in the big list of people that we pick from. Mm-hmm. And uh, every show, we pick somebody at random and give them a mug or something else. Yeah, something with our faces on, usually. Yeah. <laughs> or if we have a guest you know, who's written a book, we'll give them a copy of the book. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So it's worth it. Go do that. If you can't wait to win the lotto and you just want to get some of that gear for yourself, you can always go to gear.twoketo.com where you can buy it. Well, it is our distinct pleasure to welcome back to the show... Two people who have both been on, but not at the same time. Right. This is Brenda Zorn and Tom Seast. Hi, guys. Hi, Brenda. Hey, how's it going, Carl? It's going great. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm happy to be back and happy to be alive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you are, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've both had some um, interesting health issues, and yours especially, Tom. We missed you at Keto Fest, and we missed you at, uh, at Breckenridge. Let's start with you. Tell us what's going on. Well, I uh, pretty much buzzed through 2016, all systems normal. Lost a lot of weight. Did a lot of experimenting for uh, Dave Feldman with his cholesterol code project. Mm -hmm. And um, had pretty much a normal year until um, I got an early Christmas gift. 
we went on a trip to Mexico in December. And about a week after I got back, I contracted viral pneumonia and um, didn't think anything of it. I've gotten pneumonia before, um, but uh, this time it was pretty bad. I was having trouble getting sleep and, and so on. Um, And then uh, the pneumonia went away about January 10th. So on January 14th or 15th, I hopped on my bicycle to do a bicycle ride. And when I hopped on the bicycle, I discovered that my heart rate wouldn't go below 180. Wow. Oh. And, and you instrument, don't you? You have a, a heart rate monitor on when you ride, right? Yes. I always ride with a heart rate monitor. Yeah. And um, so I had five years of riding history. And that was, uh, that was a wild wake-up call. At first, I thought, well, the heart rate monitor is wrong. <laughs> and so I went and literally through, and I have a backup, and I put it on, and it was registering the same. And what was the rate, and what were you used to? Well, for a ride like that, my rate, my heart rate should have been in the 90s. I was, for mm. bicyclists out there, I was turning roughly 50 RPM, which is barely crawling. Turtles right. would pass you. <laughs> wow. And so literally, I was barely crawling, and I was hitting between 180 and 220. Wow. My calculated max is uh, yeah. 175. Wow. I can imagine that. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> You're over, over your maximum theoretical rate. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was a wake-up call. I realized something wasn't right. So this is while you had pneumonia or after or before or what? Well, from what I can tell, looking at the data off my watch, it started around January 10th, um, which would have been after the pneumonia had started to go away. Um, right. Okay. But I didn't really have any indicator. I mean, I didn't have like chest pain or anything that would cause it. And fortunately, um, having the data literally saved my life. Um, you are one of the most instrumented people I know. I've seen yeah. your setup. It's like... Yes, I have. <laughs> you're bionic. <laughs> well, I... What was funny is I was chatting with Dave Feldman um, the week of Christmas, and I told him I wasn't going to go in and get blood tests for him because he likes it when you draw blood. And I said I wasn't going to because I had pneumonia. And he goes, oh, no, go on ahead. Go on ahead and do it. <laughs> and and literally, had he not done that, I would have not known the cause of my heart problems. And so I credit him for that because my CRP went from uh, 0.71 to 64 in one week. Whoa. Oh. Anything above three, they say you're going to have a mm. heart event within five years. And I just lucked out. Mine happened within two weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's that That was kind of the wide wake-up call. And, and the problem is um, I'm not the type to go rush off to doctors. I, I don't have a regular doctor. I don't, I don't have insurance. And so you just start Googling. And knowing what to Google takes a while. You used to be a paramedic, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. I have a. Yeah. Exactly. I. I was. Uh, I'm not. I wasn't a certified paramedic. I came within three weeks of finishing the class, so I had enough knowledge to be dangerous. I knew what was dangerous. Um. You know. So enough information that I. That, you know. I wasn't worried about rushing off to ER. Um, I was not symptomatic. Um, the only mm-hmm. symptoms I had was that I was out of breath. Right. And your high heart rate. And the high heart rate. And that was it. Mm. And so I started Googling based on that. 
quickly determined that I probably had an atrial fibrillation. And so then I ordered some devices off of Amazon that I knew would detect it. Hang on one sec. Before we get to Amazon, what's an atrial fibrillation? Uh, what that means is there's four chambers on the heart. And uh, there's the top two are the left and right atrium and the bottom two are the ventricles. Right. And in atrial fibrillation, what's happening is the sinus no node, which is in between the two upper chambers, is not firing correctly. And what's happening then is the heart signal, the, the electrical signal is coming from outside the heart. In, in my case, it's probably coming from the pulmonary vein. And so what's happening is it's firing literally at twice the speed that it should. And so when I would look at heart rate variability data, it would say that my maximum heart rate was in the 500s. Yikes. And that's because my, oh. my atrium is sitting there fluttering really fast. And yeah. then the bottom half is freaking out because it's not normal. And so mm. what I had was atrial fibrillation with what they call rapid ventricular response, which means they call it RVR. It just means yeah. that because of the atrial fibrillation, the ventricles are firing off and they're firing at twice the rate. Yeah, they're rushing to try and keep up. Exactly. And so I was, and essentially I was in constant tachycardia, which means my heart rate so, was above 100 nonstop. Wow. Is, is it both atria? It, yes, both are misfiring. And then the bottom half is compensating. Right. Because the, the bottom half still wants to pump the blood out, the oxygenated blood. Sure. So let me just ask, getting back to the cause before you move on here, the, the CRP, the C-reactive protein, was really high. And do you believe that it was the pneumonia that caused the inflammation in the first place? Or was it something else, do you think? Uh, it was the pneumonia. So one of the things, once I kind of isolated what it was, I started looking at possible causation. And this was why you guys were in Breckenridge. Yeah. Yeah. I canceled by then. And uh, it was a good thing. I literally ran blood tests for every single possibility to cause an AFib that's known today. So thyroid, hypothyroid, the parathyroid can cause it. Mm -hmm. uh, electrolyte deficiencies or too much of an electrolyte can cause it. If you remember, right, I was speculating, yeah. well, maybe I'd accidentally OD'd on uh, vitamin D. I remember right. that, uh, yeah. And so I ran literally all these blood tests to just rule out everything. And the bottom line was my blood work was perfect. My, in fact, by the time I ran that second series, my, my CRP was back below one. But by then, the damage was done. Is your CRP back to normal now? Uh, the last time I checked, it was uh, like one point. It's just above one. Good. It's fairly normal. Yeah. But the damage was done. Yeah. But the damage was done. And so at that point, I went, there's three types of atrial fibrillation. There's the type that most people get, which is called paroxysmal, which means they go in and out. So what will happen is they'll be sitting there one day and their heart rate will just go nuts and they'll do it for 13 hours and they're in all sorts of pain. And then it'll just go back to normal. They call that paroxysmal. And that's probably the worst type to get because when you have paroxysmal, you never know when it's going to hit you again. It's mm. just you have episodes. Then the next type is called persistent, and that's what I have. And um, I now wear a heart rate belt 24-7, so I always know my heart rate. And um, I'm in constant AFib. They used to call it constant. Now they call it persistent. Then the third type of AFib is called permanent, and technically oh. I'm labeled as permanent in the U.S. because I refuse the standard of care. Which is what? Well, 
<laughs> uh, the way they normally treat it is they do what's called an ablation mm-hmm. or a maze, and there's like 10 to 20 different variations, and they all argue about which one is the best one. But basically, it involves going in and burning the sinus uh, node of the heart. What it does is it reroutes the electrical signal, and these EPs or electrophysiologists, um, they like to uh, they try to remap it so that it's close to normal as possible. And so in the U.S., uh, an ablation will cost you anywhere from 150 to 200,000. Yep. And, and they're yes. rarely successful. And so oh. when they are successful, you have to have them repeated. And, uh, it wasn't something that I wanted to go. The other thing that's unique to my situation is unlike most people, I knew what caused mine. Most people that get AFib, they have no idea why. Yeah. Yeah. They have nothing to base it on. And so I sat there and said, well, Okay, I can spend money that I don't have, go out and get a loan, get or try to get insurance, go some country and get this done. Or mm-hmm. I can try to roll back the original cause. And I knew that the original cause was scarring from pneumonia. Okay. So I went to the cardiologist. The cardiologist did what's called a cardioversion, where this was in February, where he reset my heart rate to normal using electric paddles. Right. When he did that, he knocked me out. He did uh, what's called a TEE, which is uh, it's the it's an echocardiogram from the throat, just to make sure I don't have any blood clots. And uh, at the time, I had no clotting, and um, Mm. he zapped me, and I went back to normal for forty hours, and then I came out. Hmm. Does it show any sign of abating, or is it as bad as it was the when it started? what, is there a trend downward? What? Yeah, so I made improvements. When I first started, um, when I would walk around during the day, uh, my heart rate, you know, like I say, where I wear a heart rate strap, my heart oh, rate while chill. walking would be anywhere from 150 to 220, depending on the wow. level, like if I was walking <laughs> upstairs. And when I was sleeping at night, it would be between 130 and 150. Wow. Basically, what I chose to do was I started doing feasting, fasting cycles. Because I was convinced that the heart could repair itself just like any other organ. And so right. the cardiologist, he says, you're inconsistent AFib. He says, we need to give, we need to send you to the EP. We're going to do an ablation. And I said, no. I said, right. I've got two or three years before I have really just really bad damage. I'm going to go try to fix this. And he said, no problem. He had basically agreed with me. He said that this was definitely caused by the pneumonia. He could see scarring on the heart. When he was using and doing the TEE, um, and basically he just sent me on my way. And so I started doing feasting fasting cycles where I would feast and then I would fast anywhere from one to five days. And I started supplementing all sorts of heart based supplements. Mm. And I got it to the point where when I was walking around during the day, I would be in the 125 to 145 range. And then yeah. when I was sleeping at night, I would be somewhere between 90 and 105. Is that when you're oh. fasting? When that's you're better. fasting, that's that's the rate? It's, it was always better when fasting because yeah. you have less overhead. Right. There was no consistency. And, and the biggest problem, of course, is I'm maintaining, you know, 40, 60 hours of work a week. Right. Uh, you know, trying to feed the family and everything while trying to heal it. So I'm not, I'm not doing what I really want to do, which is lay around and kind of rest and yeah, sure. But it got to the point where I was feeling better when I was feeling better, but I was feeling terrible when I was feeling terrible. Right. And so last month we flew to Mexico. Um, 
I chose Mexico because I found a cardiologist that at least knew what the keto diet was, was keto friendly. That's a whole nother interesting story because that's mm-hmm. where the story changes. Um, uh, but I don't know if you want me to go into that now or hold off. Uh, sure. I mean, you can spend a few minutes there. Yeah. So I go to Mexico. Um, we fly in, we go to Cozumel and, um, I didn't realize that the guy was going to do an exam on me the very first day. So we walked literally, uh, about a mile to the hospital. Uh, which is apparently something you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, probably oh, not. Man. No. <laughs> we walk in, and, and this is why I chose Mexico. I mean, I can see a cardiologist on demand. He's $24 an hour. Nice. And they'll do a complete uh, echocardiogram on me for 240 bucks. So I figure, well, I can't lose. I mean, wow. it's cheap. Then again, that's where you got pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. I'm back in Cozumel where I got pneumonia. So what's the cost in America of the same procedure, do you reckon? Uh, the TEE, the cheapest you can buy it in the U.S., paying cash is six hundred ten dollars. Wow. Uh, the average price is around, uh, yeah, probably about what she says. Um, mm. But there are places that you can go, kind of like Groupon, where you can pre-buy them. So that's the transesophageal echocardiogram, right? Uh, that's the one that goes through your throat. The one I had with down mm. in Mexico was a trans, a TTE, which is a transthoracic. So that's right. one through the chest. So that's they're yeah. just coming at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. The problem in the U.S. though is I'm labeled as a miscreant. I'm labeled as a since I'm permanent <laughs> troublemaker. You, <laughs> I cannot self-prescribe these tests, so I can't yeah. go to a, a a lab and say, "Hey, I just want to get a TTE." That's not right. It's not an invasive procedure. It's literally like going and getting a sonogram if you're pregnant. Right. In America, everybody's got to have a piece of the pie, and that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just want a freaking right. test. <laughs> so I walk into this hospital in Mexico. We sit down and talk with the doctor, and we talk for a half hour, and he's just looking at me, and everything's fine, and I'm feeling great. I'm a little tired from the walk, but nothing major. And then uh, he goes, okay. And so I hand him my credit card, and we walk to the back, and <laughs> and and his nurse hooks me up to the machine and she starts freaking out. I can understand Spanish passively. And I said, well, this probably is not good. Um, and then, so she ran out of the room and she goes, gets the cardiologist. And um, I've never seen um, a Mexican turn white and he was Blanco. I mean, he was, wow. he was white and he was just like, are you okay? And I said, Oh yeah. Because of your heart rate. And I go, yeah. I mean, it gets to 150 all the time. Oh, no. And and mm. see, what people forget is I look normal on the outside. And it's probably because I did all that bike riding. I mean, I'd done 23,000 right. miles bike riding when my heart rate was in the 130s. Right. You know, so I don't appear like I'm worn out. Anyhow, he had me come back the next day after giving me some meds to get the heart rate down. And the bottom line is they've now diagnosed me with uh, congestive heart failure or chronic heart failure stage one because what's happening is my uh, heart has remodeled which is a common thing with afib it actually starts 24 hours in with afib what it means is basically your heart chambers start changing their shape because it has to adjust the ventricles get larger yeah atrium gets larger right you're working the muscle so it got swollen exactly exactly and the mitral valves they change shape they're leaking and uh, he says, so what caused this? And I said, well, I had pneumonia. And he says, no, you didn't. And I said, mm-hmm. I had pneumonia. 
said, no, you didn't. And I said, yeah, I did. And he says, well, you, there, there's no scarring on the heart here. And I said, yeah, well, I told him what I had done. And he says, well, that doesn't work. And I said, okay, well, it doesn't work. But I had pneumonia. <laughs> so he said there was no evidence that you had pneumonia because you didn't have scarring remaining on your heart. And yet your doctor in the States said they did see scarring. They saw scarring, yeah. And so what's your theory about why you don't have scarring? you fasted away? I guess I fasted it away. <laughs> and they did the same thing to Richard when he was diagnosed with fatty liver and then yeah. he was keto for a few years and then the doctor said, no, this is a misdiagnosis. You don't have any. You never had, you never had <laughs> fatty liver. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the MRI, the before and after MRI of my liver. Well, and what's funny is I don't have the before, the before uh, echocardiogram because the doctor didn't get it. I do have the after. Right. And so he says, he, he starts prescribing me me medicines for uh, high blood pressure because he mm -hmm. says, I can't find evidence of calcium in your, I can't see anything that would cause this. So it must be hypertension. <laughs> and so he says, I need you to take these medications. And, and so to make him happy, I bought them, but I never took them. Wow. <laughs> I started taking this medication. The, the one that I wanted is he had successfully lowered my heart rate with uh, a beta blocker. Yeah. The same one that the doctor tried on me in February, but he was able to get me the dosage that I needed. And so my heart rate was now getting into the 80s at night, 70s and 80s, and I was averaging mid-80s. Yeah. And my heart rate was in 100s during the day. Right. Huh. So he says, well, come back since you're going to be here 16 days, come back in 10 days. And he basically had measured my atrium and my ventricles, and they were all enlarged. And my left ejection fraction, which should be above 50%, sure. was down to 27. He had measured all that on the first visit. He says, just go take, this, take these pills, relax, and come back in 10 days, and I'll do this again. And uh, in the U.S., they charge you for that. I didn't realize this in Mexico. That's called a follow-up. Wow. Oh, oh, nice. So, wow. So I show up again on the 10th day, right? It's the day before we're leaving. Or it was this, Yeah, it was the 16th day. Um, he hooks me up, and the nurse is in there, and they start jabbering away again. And, I, and so, I'm, of course, I'm starting to freak out because it's like I can't understand them. And so finally, after two or three minutes, I, I kind of rolled over and looked at him and said, so am I dying here or what? He goes, oh, no, 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 this is really good. He says, um, "He says I've never seen anybody reverse remodel before. Wow. What? And a reverse remodel is when you start rolling it backwards. Yeah. And, uh, and your hypothesis is that it was the ketogenic diet that did that. And the fasting. Yeah, exactly. And the fasting. Absolutely. I had lots of guacamole <laughs> because I was in Mexico and we found a, a nice uh, coffee house that had bulletproof coffee. So I was having MCT in my coffee and, nice. and, and that evil butter. I was having butter. <laughs> so do you think the autophagy was responsible for cleaning things up? Well, what happened was my left ventricle, which is what he was watching closest, went from 5.84 centimeters, and it's supposed to be 4.8, so that gives you context. Mm -hmm. It went down to 5.3 in 10 days. That's significant. Wow. Yeah, very significant, which is why he mm -hmm. was so excited. Sure. And so I asked him, I said, well, what should I do? And he says, I don't know. Keep doing whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you were relaxing in Mexico for 10 days. That's hardly working at home in a stress stressful <laughs> situation, right? Yeah, that's that's part of the problem. Um, I live a stressful existence. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so I can't totally get rid of stress. Uh, but he did try to talk me into having an ICD device, which uh, Brenda's also they they really push you on these ICD devices. Yeah, no. It's a pacemaker, right? A pacemaker with a defibrillator. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. The main right. risk that you have is stroke or sudden death. Yep, sudden death. Sure. They're worried about the sudden death there, so they wanted fifty grand for a, a ICD, which I think is a fantastic deal. But that's a great mm. price. We decided to roll the dice and not take that. Um, Hmm. because it's primarily they they're worried about your heart rate getting too low and i haven't had that problem yeah mine is on the other end no you're not gonna have that problem so i'm 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 kind of rolling the dice um i'm not taking any meds for the possible stroke i don't believe the science is right i know that's shocking mm. <laughs> very oh i'm so shocked tom i mean they say an, an average afibber you're six times more likely to have a stroke than somebody on the street. But when you start digging behind the numbers and where these numbers come from, uh, it turns out, yeah, that's the case if you're 64 years old and you've already had a stroke. Uh, right. I mean, so you just have to really watch the numbers because we live mm. in a society of fear-based medicine. Yep. And so it's, it's possible I'll have a stroke. It's possible that I could suddenly die. But I don't consider it likely. So your situation right now is your heart rate is back to almost normal or what? It's getting closer, it seems like, by the week. Um, last Yay. night, my average was 93. Wow, great. My average today has been a little higher. I'm at 119 right now. Yeah, but that's still pretty good. That's an exception. It's not 150. Yeah. I was so worried about Tom for such a long time. We he's all were. he's my yeah. Well, yeah, he's my friend. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear that it's your heart rate is going down. You've been working hard at this. Well, it's it's hard work doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially at your heart rate. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't have any pain from it still. It's it's I mean, it's really weird because most people have pain. So mm. I can't complain. Um the only pain that I have is I have to sleep differently to get the heart rate optimized. So I have to sleep on my right side, which I don't like. And so I have oh, pain okay. in my right shoulder because of the angle that I'm sleeping at. But other than that, I'm very mm. fortunate uh, that I don't have any uh, pain or any other issues with it. Wow, um, that's great. Fasting is much more difficult now because you think insulin messes with you. You get all the other hormones in there. Um, mm. Like homocysteine, your BMP. Sure. All these things are acting up because of the heart because they're trying to do repair. Mm. Mm. Um, so. Typically, when I fast now, it's going to be between one and five days. Yeah. Are you doing like 10-day fast beforehand, weren't you? The longest I ever did was 21. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm used to knowing how they feel when you're normal. Um, yeah. But uh, my plan going forward is just to feast and fast. And um, I don't have to I, – I really worried about losing the weight because I was worried I would have to do an extended fast to get rid of the scarring, but I don't have to worry about that anymore. Sure. Right. Um, I can tell you it is very difficult to intentionally try to maintain weight on a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Because, you know, the natural inclination is to lose weight. And so now I'm back in weight loss mode where I'm actually trying to lose weight because the best way to improve, improve efficiency – is to get rid of the final 80 pounds that I need to get rid of. I mean, the heart yeah. will become more efficient than anyway. Yeah. And then in theory, hopefully I'll go back to normal. Um, he's saying wow. right now, my, my AFib is, is circular in that it's 
the AFib is causing the heart failure and the heart failure is causing the AFib. And so to break the cycle, we get the heart rate to come down. And in theory, the heart reverse remodels itself. And then the heart goes back to normal rhythm on its own. Right. That'd be amazing. Our bodies were designed to self-correct. That's why That's why we've uh, evolved uh, for so many hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, it's... Uh, well, Tom, that's an amazing story. Um, and Brenda, you have sort of the other side of the heart issue, but uh, yours yeah. is congenital, right? Um, I have a few people in my family that have some issues, but they really don't know why. Um, I, I, ha I throw PVCs. I have ventricular fibrillation. I have not um the only the only thing we've ever linked it to is when i get overstressed or overtired and i i like very very overstressed or yeah. overtired and just to repeat ventricular means the bottom half of the heart right right there's four the four chambers yeah mine yeah. <laughs> opposite of tom mine my issue is with the two lower chambers of ventricles yeah yeah um and and that's the dangerous half yeah, well, geez, Tom, you're dealing with a yeah, heck of I mean, a lot worse situation than me. But <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, risk of sudden death. Yeah, <laughs> it's lovely. And you've, you've been living with this your whole life? It wasn't much of a problem when they first diagnosed it and aged it. There might be more of a problem. Hmm. The interesting thing is, is that when I started uh, the ketogenic diet almost four years ago, things started getting better, right. um, which is, uh, I've talked about it a few times. How do you measure that, that they're getting better? I mean, what was it that you noticed that uh, told you that? I didn't have as many incidents. So, Brenda, you mentioned a PVC. What's a PVC? Um, premature ventricular contraction. Okay. Uh, and I can explain how it feels. I'm not real good at explaining medically what that means. But what, what yeah. happens is the lower chambers don't beat properly or fully, just like partially. And what happens is the heart will fill with blood and then... In an attempt to reset itself, it'll actually stop for a second and then do a really big pump to get all that blood out. Right. Sort of like a cough. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like there is no, I have no pain either. And uh, not with what I have. I've had no pain. Um, I've had uh, a few incidents where I've almost passed out, which is why um, one time when I was driving, unfortunately. Um, yeah. About a year ago. And then yeah. they did a really big study on me and had me wear... Um, uh, uh, a, a device, I forget what it's called. I wore it Holter. 24 hours a day yeah. for about 30 days. It's a Holter monitor. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no, this is called, the Holter is, um, uh, something different. This is, this is different. The, the thing that I know what you're talking about though, but yeah, this is something else. But anyway, um, <laughs> and when I was wearing it, uh, they, they told me when I, when I used that for 30 days, um, to go ahead and not use caffeine just to see. And I had a major incident, and I didn't have any whatsoever. And I had a major incident while uh, while I had that on, and they actually called me because it was it was remote. I was hooked up to some center somewhere where they could watch, and if there was something, right. in, yeah. And so I get this phone call: "Are you okay?" You know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't. If you're driving, please don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in in that thirty days, I only had one major incident, and they asked me if I felt okay, and I I didn't feel dizzy or anything, but I was sitting at the time. Um, it was a little over a year ago that, uh, I was driving and I had an especially, uh, uh, significant, um, flip. It feels like my heart is flipping over, um, but it doesn't uh -huh. hurt. And I had tunnel vision and I knew I was going to pass out and I pulled over and I went right to the ER, um, 
I wasn't sure it had anything to do with this because I hadn't had much treatment for this. So they did a lot of blood work to see if it was uh, um, anything related to a heart attack or anything like that. And it wasn't. They know how to check Mm. for those things. But um, usually, we know what's interesting with what I have is usually people that have what I have have had a heart attack and have scarring and heart damage. And I don't. Mm. I've had a full workup. I actually have a very strong heart. I have a very clear heart. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, when they did some of the uh, more extensive testing on it and looking in it, um, I had been ketogenic uh, two and a half years, and I'm 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 here to say that my it was clean as a whistle with all that butter wow. and and saturated fat. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's it's <laughs> you know. So it's it, they don't know why. Uh, this is the interesting thing, and I I go to the University of Minnesota Heart Center, and I I really appreciate the doctors there for two reasons. One, they knew what keto was when I walked in the door. And two, they're not afraid to say they don't know. They don't know why this happens to me. They don't know why I have an electrical wiring issue. Um, They did tell me that uh, ablation wouldn't work in my case uh, or medication, Mm. except there is a pill that they gave me that it's a um, calcium channel blocker. That they gave yep. me to carry, no, to check this out though, it's not a prescription I take every day. They gave it to me to carry with me in case this started up and didn't stop to take it. Oh. Yeah, isn't it? So I, I have a little case, I carry it in and I call it my, uh, my underdog super energy pill. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> break glass in case of emergency pill, right? Yeah, they're useless in my case, but in your case, they're very common. Okay. Yeah, I haven't had to use it. Um, but, oh, like like you guys, like in July when I went, decided to ride my bike to Keto Fest, that was, you know, yeah. r- riding my fasted. motorcycle, fasted to, I know, I was really pushing it. But, but, <laughs> that was but, nuts. That's Dave Feldman's fault. <laughs> it, it was. I get so excited about these experiments and things, you know. But, but I mean, yeah. my doctor was okay with it. I hadn't had any real mm-hmm. major incidents. If I had had any problems, I would have backed off and rested and stopped. And <laughs> I, I did okay, yeah. but that that was risky. To, to ride my bike from Minnesota to uh, Connecticut, no doubt. Um, sure. But, I mean, if I have my cardiologist okay, it was scary. I didn't do it alone. Yeah. I went with my friend Liz Myers, and she um, she, she she went with me. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I remember you got off the bike, and you were just like, oh, my God, I'm just buzzing. You were, like, buzzing. Well, well yeah. Mind <laughs> you, that was after she poured out her boot full of water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that was awesome. Your <laughs> legs were like rubber. You were That's just true. like, oh, I my God. I was tired. God. I was tired. And um, I remember telling you guys uh, during or maybe after Keto Fest, a few, a few of you apologizing for me not helping a little more because I, I know when I have to rest. And that's one of the things because yeah. this will no, this will disturb my heart more often if I'm more stressed and more tired. So there were times where you guys were over in that kitchen in the middle of the night, yeah, and I yeah. had to sleep. So I felt kind of bad about that. But no, that's um, okay. What are your symptoms that manifest themselves in everyday life that that you have to watch, or is there? Um, it doesn't happen every day. Uh, I um, I base I. I just saw the electrophysiologist last week and I talked to him again about caffeine and energy drinks mm. because I've kind of, <laughs> I've started you up. You kind of like him. <laughs> I kind of. You have uh, a bit of a mother addiction, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've kind of, <laughs> I've kind of gotten into the white monster and, um, uh, it's funny when I was visiting, uh, um, Tom, um, at the end of July after Keto Fest, he's, he was, that's his favorite too. And I didn't even know that, but, um, I don't know. I feel okay mm. when I drink them, but I brought it up to him and, uh, 
And because I thought, well, okay, caffeine, they said that's fine. That's a myth that it, ca- that it causes issues with what I have. But right. I, I thought I better tell him about the monster. And he said, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, he's not concerned. Um, so I got the okay on the monster, but, um, a, f- a few people online said it's probably all the espresso and, and that monster drink, um, because mm. they were concerned about my heart issue. No, that's not it at all. It's, it's not caused by that, but, um, Anyway, another one thing I wanted to say is, um, since being ketogenic, I, I had a very fast heart rate. Oh. Far back as I can remember, since my teenage years, uh, I was on a swim team and track and things like that in school. My heart rate resting was always around 115, one, the teens, 115. Wow. And, um, uh, soon after being on the ketogenic diet, which was uh, just a few months into 2014, my heart rate mm-hmm. went down into the 80s and it's into the 70s when fasting. So wow. that's got to have nice. something to do with me having less incidence with this uh, these th- PVCs. Sure. Were you monitoring your electrolytes closely back then before keto? Oh, no. No, and now I am. Yeah, see, it yes. could be that. From what I'm reading, almost the, the numbers vary, but the guess is that uh, the cause for any electrical abnormality in uh, the human body, whether it's atrial fibrillation or V-fib like you, uh, they're saying 70 to 80% of is electrolyte imbalance. Well, well, I don't, I don't doubt it. Monitoring magnesium and potassium and... You know, if you're feeling bad when you're fasting or if you're feeling bad when you're doing keto, you need to go get that checked because that's where it's, it seems like from the majority of the people, that's where it starts. It starts with the magnesium imbalance or potassium or sodium imbalance. Well, yeah, no, no doubt. That's what they're controlling with your calcium channel blocker. An electrolyte. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's why I asked the question. It does make sense. And it might not just be what you're ingesting, but how it's being absorbed yep. or how it's not being absorbed. I don't know. You know, it's complex. It's very complex. The heart is an extremely complex organ, and I, I've done mm. a lot of reading about it. It's just, it's fascinating. But um, uh, I wasn't happy when they, um, they, they, they diagnosed me. It was a little over a year ago. They said it was a severe ventricular fibrillation, or I don't know what the exact term was. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, um, you're not having enough incidents for me to strongly recommend uh, a defibrillator uh, to be installed in my chest really people uh, i don't want that Mm. he said it's not happening enough he said but if you are anxious enough about it i will put it in and what do you think i said um no thank you (laughs) i don't really (laughs) want to try not to get anxious about it yeah i don't i don't want um a defibrillator put in my chest i've talked to people that have one and i've had it um go off on them and ask them what it felt like because i thought if i ever need to get it someday i want to know you know what it's like. Sure. And it's not that bad, I guess. So, but mm. and, and, and you know, if my if I really feel my life is at risk, I'll I'll get it put in. Um, so, so Brenda, tell me this: you, you've you've got this congenital heart uh, issue, and it's really you've had it most of your life, but you've you've learned recently that it's quite serious. How has that changed your outlook in life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I rode my motorcycle from Minnesota to Keto Fest. Um, you oh, most and then, did. yeah, that was a big deal. And then, uh, when I got back to Minnesota, I stayed here one day and I rode my bike alone solo to the Ozark Mountains in Southern Missouri and for another week wow. of riding. And I, what has it done? Um, I am at risk for sudden death, a little yeah. more than the average person. And, um, Although I have not had my license taken away, that's something that happens to some people. Uh, sure. I guess 
I try to live each day to the fullest. I I love people. I'm I'm not afraid to tell people how I feel about them. <laughs> um, in a good no, <laughs> good. In, no, in a good way, in a good way. Um, That's what we love about you, Brenda. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love to help people. Um, I guess I I get real passionate about this ketogenic thing. So uh, helping type mm. two diabetics, and um, oh, yeah. I kind of it's like I don't want to hold back, and I don't hold back. I try to help right. as many people as I can. Um, I know that just approaching one person can completely change their life. And, um, you know, if that's what I can leave as a legacy of, of changing people's lives by, uh, by helping them get healthy, that's fantastic. Everybody wants to leave something, right? And not putting it off. Yeah. Right. Do it now. Do it when the time, when the time strikes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your plan for the future? I mean, just more of the same, you're, you're still doing long fast and, uh, short fast and keto and and pumping iron. I hear I heard you can leg press eight hundred pounds. I did. I got up to eight hundred pounds in the free weight leg press. I did. Can you believe that? I can't even wow, believe that. You're crazy. I was doing I was doing four hundred <laughs> last year, and of course I I worked up to this very slowly. But oh, and by the way, a lot of people yeah. have asked me, oh yeah, is it, are you just towing it or is it a full? Press, yeah, it's a full press, people. Okay, I've, ten. All right, ten full. Yeah, presses. I'll do ten. ten I'll, reps, I'll right? do ten, and I'll do some others before that and build up to it. I, it's amazing how yeah. strong, um, how strong my legs are, uh, and and of course that's going to help with insulin resistance. So, I love to lift sure, weights. Sure. It makes me feel really good. Um, right now I'm fasting. Yeah. This is a Zorn fast right now in the ketogenic forums. Right now, this is like day. That's where a, a whole bunch of people all fast together. Yeah, there's yeah. forty. I counted forty, and there's always a bunch. <laughs> wow. There's always more that don't even speak up. So yeah, I I plan on so fasting until probably Sunday. I've been fasting every month, um, for the last almost two years now, uh, at least three four yeah. days. Um, and I yeah, do. A, I remember the first fast you did because that was that one was of the first ones we I did, did that too, together. You know? Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I feel so good when I fast. And hey, maybe it'll f- rewire my heart. You know, it's doing something to Tom's, right? I blame yep. Dr. Fung. Yes, it is Dr. <laughs> Fung's fault. It's all your fault, Jason. It is Dr. Fung's fault. I read his book last year and I was like, with, with Richard, I'm like, look at this. And Richard's like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. And so we both tried it. And next thing you know, we're fasting all the time on a regular basis. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm getting addicted to the feeling. I'm doing it's it every week now for, hard. for one we- or two days. So, oh, yeah. are you? Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I came back from Keto Fest, and prior to that, it was only me. Julie had not tried fasting, but I think she wanted to try it when I was out of the country so that, you know, if there were any problems that, you know, that, that she wouldn't be seen. And so she's didn't do it in private. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I came back from Keto Fest, and she said, Hey, guess what? I fasted for three days, and it was awesome. Let's yeah. do it again. Yes. Yeah. And so we've been doing it like almost every week now. Yep. I think we missed one week out of the time. And it's having quite an effect. I, I I get euphoric after about the first uh, day, day and a half. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and and it's so empowering. It's so empowering yeah. to 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 be checking all your you know your blood pressure and your your blood glucose and your ketones and everything, and you're fine. You know, there's is yeah. so many people that don't understand about this are, get worried about oh what you're not eating anything. Yeah, there's so many worries, and they get worried, but it's so good for you. There's so many good things about fasting, and I feel so good when I do it. I find it empowering after a life of being controlled by my appetite. Exactly. All of a sudden, you have control over it. Exactly. Well, guys, we're not here to talk about fasting. We're here to talk (laughs) about food because it's time for a special edition of Recipes. 
And today we're actually going to ask uh, Brenda and Tom to give our recipes for us. So who wants to go first? Oh, I can, I can, I can do mine. Uh, mine's very, very simple, very, very easy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about making a cheese sauce, and we're talking about a cheese sauce like, like the bad kind you used to have on on macaroni and cheese, or or <laughs> oh, the yeah. melting the Velveeta, or all that. You know, those those okay. that have a lot of carbohydrate. Um, but I'm talking about cheese sauce that you make by uh by purchasing something called sodium citrate. Um, sodium citrate, I couldn't really explain to you what it is, but all I know is that it it keeps the cheese together, keeps it smooth, keeps it from separating when you heat it. Um, mm, yeah. And I usually just use cheddar, but Richard was talking about how he took all these little bits of cheese of ends and pieces and whatever, different flavors <laughs> and kinds out of his fridge and threw it all in and, and made a cheese sauce and it was so fantastic. Well, I must have 10 kinds of cheese in my fridge and a lot of them right. little bits and ends, well, right? you're from Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin? No, I'm Minnesotan. But Minnesota. In, in, yeah. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Wisconsin's no, next door. No, don't do it. Um, don't, I'm not going there. <laughs> don't do it. It's a big rivalry. So anyway, uh, oh, no, this no. is called the bits of cheese sauce. Uh-huh. And I even use blue. I put some blue in there too, oh, Richard. Yeah. I probably had an ounce of blue. Um, and oh, it was yeah. uh, it was juniper blue. It was flavored with oh, juniper. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, eight ounces of cheese shredded. Uh, it, it works much better if you can shred it. And um, yeah. first you put about a, a third of a cup of water in a saucepan and, and heat that. Some people do it in the microwave. I like the stovetop. Mm-hmm. And then you put in a teaspoon of sodium citrate and stir that and heat that up until it's dissolved. Right. And then you put in a half a pound of cheese, of shredded cheese, whatever kind you want, and stir it. And it will make the creamiest, most beautiful cheese sauce you've ever seen. You can pour it over stuff. It'll stay together. Some citrate is magical stuff for the keto world. Okay? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just a little white powder. Yep. It, it looks like salt. Tastes, tastes salty almost, yeah. Right. And I, I could only find it online, but um, in a container that was like weighed a pound. So I'm going to have enough from the rest of my life almost. But um, <laughs> I put a little on my tongue and it turned to thick spit sauce. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I didn't do that. Yuck. It wouldn't taste good by itself. But anyway. No, it probably doesn't. That's my recipe. The nice thing about that recipe is that you can get really crusty old ends of cheese. Yep. You think there's no way that anyone can eat that. If you can shred it, yep. um, yeah. it'll go into that cheese sauce and you won't know. And don't use too much water. Ask me how I know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it recently with a bit too much water. You made cheese soup. And I made, and it completely separated, and I had clumps of cheese and way water. Right. So, yeah, there's some recipes online about using uh, the sodium citrate, and they use much more water than I do. Yeah, I only use yeah. enough water really just to dissolve the the, um, the, the powder, yeah. yeah, and then put the, the way cheese I've done in it successfully is like a even a quarter of a teaspoon in uh, the bottom of a saucepan and just enough water to cover the bottom and bring that to a simmer, right? And then eight ounces of cheese. So I don't use much water at all. Yeah, but that works for me. So good, Tom. So Tom, what do you got for us? My recipe is special. It's a keto-based medicine. Oh, and so okay. this is a this is a recipe that you can literally eat. Um, and it will make you attractive to Italian women everywhere, if that's a concern of yours. <laughs> wow. But, That'll be you. Bring it on. Since I'm dealing with um, since I'm dealing with heart ailments and a lot of people that have AFib are on these different medications, you have to watch the interaction that you have between meds. And so right. what mm. I'm what I'm gonna give you is a recipe for what we call goot. 
And GOOT is something my wife introduced to me two years ago. And it's basically equal parts of a raw garlic, coconut oil, and olive oil. You take three tablespoons of coconut oil and warm it in a pan. Then you add in three tables of extra virgin olive oil and uh, three tablespoons of freshly chopped garlic. Mm. And... um, I've, I've forwarded the recipe for Carl to include in the show notes, but basically you heat all that up and then you, you, uh, tell me you put salt on it. Uh, it's not yeah. part of the recipe, but uh, <laughs> you can add salt and eat it. Okay. Now I rub it on my, my chest ah. and my back oh. to fight infection because I'm, oh. I don't want to have infections for the next year or two with my chest. And so sure. I treat normally with that, but you can use it for basically any type of infection. So it's a topical uh, antibiotic. And it's natural and it's keto friendly. Mm, yeah. Um, I know the coconut oil by itself has an antibiotic property. Garlic does too, Anna. doesn't it? Antibiotic properties. Yeah. yeah you can use it for wow. everything. So it's called goot. And um, mm. I recommend it for anybody, but you will smell a little bit. You have to shower pretty <laughs> <Sure>. thoroughly <laughs> or work around people that don't mind the smell of garlic bread. <laughs> the Italian women are kind of come a running. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's cool. And so you just apply it. Do you, you don't apply it prophylactically, like, you know, to prevent infection, do you? Do you put it on things that you think? I know I do. So you just spread it all over your body? No, no primarily my chest and the back. Right by my chest. Okay. Uh, the problem is I have a fuzzy chest, uh. and so <laughs> I don't I don't shave it, so it's kind of hard to get through the timber down to the skin. Gotcha. Uh, but the whole idea is I do it because I really don't want to get pneumonia again. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Because of the heart, at least until I fix that problem. So. Goot. 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 Can't get that at CVS. Yeah. Goot. All right, guys. It's been great talking to you, and thanks for sharing your stories. I know that, you, Tom, it's been a difficult road for you, but I'm so, so happy to hear that you're on the mend. Yes. It's great. And especially, Yay. you know, fasting ketogenic seems to be like the wonder drug for everything. It does. Yeah. It does. And Brenda, it's always good to hear from you. And uh, Love you, Carl. Man, you love you, Richard. Love you, too. Love you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Keep pressing. You're gonna you're gonna hit a thousand before we know it. You're gonna be pushing a ton with your feet. <laughs> yes, <your> exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Guys, just one thing we forgot to mention is that Brenda told me, and we recorded that yesterday. Right. Brenda told me that she kicked herself because she forgot to mention something very important in that mm. interview. And that was that her doctor told her she no longer had type 2 diabetes. That's awesome. That is outstanding. It's not supposed to happen. No, <laughs> it's not supposed to happen. And, yeah. you know, we know that type 2 diabetes is blood sugar gone out of control and rampant. But mm. we're hesitant to say we cured ourselves. Mm. We're hesitant to say we don't have it. But when your doctor tells you, you are no longer diabetic, guess what? Yeah. You're no longer diabetic. No longer diabetic. Congratulations, Brenda. That is outstanding work. Congratulations. Uh, And before we sign out here, we want to let people know that next week's show is going to be not for you probably, but for you to share. Exactly. We 
had a hangout with our top-level patrons just yeah. the other day, and somebody came up with a brilliant idea. They said, you know, what we really need is a two-keto dude show that we can share with beginners who've never right. heard about a ketogenic diet, something simple to get them started. Right. And we've done intro shows and we newbie have. shows before, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to do a very special show. There won't be recipes. There won't be mail. There right. won't be the regular two-keto stuff. It will just be here's the Cliff Notes of what a ketogenic diet is, simple steps to get you started, yeah. some, some hacks to eat fast food and stay keto, right. and just enough information to be able to get you started. Yeah, and plenty of links to science. Exactly. Yeah. So that's going to be our show next week, and I'm really looking forward to that. Me too, Richard. Mm. Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, Send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at Two Keto Dudes, on Instagram at Two Keto Dudes, and make sure to use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forums, it's forum.twoketo.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, t shirts, coffee, mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear.twoketo.com. And if you want a shot at getting that swag for free, Join the Two Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.twoketo.com. And if you feel like supporting the many podcasts we produce mm -hmm. and our forums, think about making a pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.twoketo.com. Or just hit the donate button on our website at www.twoketodudes.com or just go to donate.twoketo.com. You can also see our podcast and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave a review on iTunes. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC and produced by Pop Productions, providing audio, video, and podcast production services since 2002. Online at pwop.com. Keep calm and keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. I will, and we'll see you next time. On Two Keto Dudes. Dudes.